Hello and welcome to another UK Run Chat podcast. My name is Matt Upson, I'm one of the team here and I'm being joined tonight by Alan Papel, as I know him, Beef, who's a good friend of mine but also is an S&C coach. So good evening, Alan. Good evening, Matthew. <laughs> we'll start formal, shall we? But I'll get to go downhill, <laughs> <laughs> It'll go downhill as we far. Um, so the whole idea of this podcast today is also, is to talk about your job and your role, but also use some of your experience to to pass on to some of our listeners. Um, for those, I'll let Beef introduce himself, but I'll uh, kind of build it up a little bit first. Um, I've known Beef for quite a few years now, and uh, he is my fountain of knowledge and the person who always nags me if I'm doing something wrong, uh, but also gives me lots of advice and support. A lot of them I don't listen to and I should do, but he helps out as much as I possibly can. So over to you, Beef. Do you want to tell a bit about what you do and where you where you work and, and what you've been up to, really, since you started your career? Yeah, of course, mate. Um, so been employed at the University in Exeter for well, coming up 30 years now, uh, initially within uh, general sport and fitness with a little bit of PT. Uh, but for the last 16 years, predominantly working as a S&C coach on our high-performance programme. So, um, very uh, diverse and uh, varied job each year with new intakes. Uh, very fortunate enough to to work with a lot of very good young athletes. Some that have moved on to junior, senior, and uh, Olympic competitions, and that varies from the kind of mainstream rugby, hockey, tennis, uh, right through to triathlon and. Uh, Things like Paralympic shooting, wheelchair basketball, etc. So within that world as well, I've spent some time working for the English Institute of Sport as a kind of consultant coach. Uh, four years down at Plymouth with the elite diving team down there when Andy Banks ran the likes of Tom Daly, uh, Brooke Graddon, etc. So yeah, it's all uh, ever-changing, ever-involving job, but... Uh, you know, 30 years in, still enjoying it. Brilliant. So for those who don't know what an S&C coach is, what's, what is S&C? So strength conditioning in real terms encompasses the out of competition, so the non-playing days, physical development of an athlete. So that will be their strength work in the gym, their flexibility, mobility, any rehab, prehab work. Uh, their cardio training, so whether that's on um, machines and bikes and in, in the gym or out on the pitch, it's everything that kind of builds an athlete up ready for competition. Okay. Damn, that sounds so. In, sorry, that sounds good. That does sound very good, isn't it? Um, and obviously, on a personal note, we do a lot of riding together. We cycle together quite a lot and do a few bits of challenges. Talk a bit about yourself and what your kind of sports background or sporting interests are. When I was competitive, it was uh, mostly rugby, uh, but also played uh, fairly competitive cricket, volleyball, dabbled a little bit of football. But since retiring from rugby, it's mostly been around uh, cycling, triathlon, Dabbled with a little bit of distance running. Did the London Marathon in 2010, but they kind of timed that one on a calendar as opposed to a watch. So at 6'5", 125 kilograms, I'm not exactly your standard endurance athlete, but the body's slowing up, so I might as well move to longer, slower events. 
I think we both know that. We're both in that same similar situation. Yeah. The reason we all call him Beef is also is because Beef is, as, you, as he said, is six foot five and 125 kilograms, but he's also vegetarian. So um, this is where the beef has come from. There's, I've only never known you as Beef. I don't, I don't think I ever got introduced to you by name Alan. I, I, it feels I, really weird when you come up with my phone. Yeah, I picked the nickname up at college. Um, and people, when they found out I was vegetarian, it was either Beef or Lentil, and it doesn't really work when you're this sort of size. No. So it's stuck. There's very few people that actually call me Alan, apart from parents, if I've uh, done something wrong. But yeah, yeah, it's stuck around and it's uh, get used to it now. And we could also, you know, the other thing we do have a great passion for is coffee. So we could end up spending most of this podcast talking about coffee, to be honest, but we're trying not to. We're trying to keep on track. I was hoping so- you could suggest this as a morning one so I could have a coffee, but it's too late now. Yeah, I know. It just didn't fit in really well, very well. I, I was thinking about having a coffee while we did this, but um, I think it's a bit too late now. <laughs> We're filming this in the evening. Well, recording this in the evening, so uh, it's definitely not a coffee time now for me. Um, so, yeah, so did you run, have you run today? I, <laughs> you know from when we spoke before we started recording this, I went out this morning and 3K in, my hamstrings were screaming at me. So thanks for humiliating no, it's fine because I I ran out. It's for we obviously we're recording this at the start of December, and uh, there's quite a few challenges on which we'll go on to later. But I'm on my second day of running uh, after quite a long break as well, so I struggled along and didn't do greatly neither. So we're both in the same boat. You, you, you didn't struggle with your ten k yesterday. No, well, it was eight k with a two k cool down just to make it up to ten. Still, it wasn't still, exactly ten k. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't pretty though. I can tell you, if you see me afterwards, it definitely wasn't pretty. Anyway, let's get back on the SSC. Okay. Um, so, so where does it fit in to like is to training? So, for example, for a runner or a cyclist or a triathlete, how do they fit that into their lifestyle or into their training? Is it instead of running, or how how do they do that? I think if you look at, if I look at the whole of S and C, it's it's the theory behind it is it fits in to complement an athlete's sport so whether it is an amateur runner you're a triathlete a cyclist uh, hockey cricket netball whatever it is it's there to support it so that your performance on game day race day uh, can be as good as as possible but it's especially with endurance athletes there tends to be a little bit of a oh it's going to make me sore if i lift weights but it's all down to what you lift how you lift and where you fit into your program. So there needs to be consideration for the time of year that you're doing it and within that time frame, the nature of what you're doing. So it complements all your other training. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing for me is I always think about it is the fact that I don't want to put on weight and I don't want to kind of train. I always see S&C as weight training or throwing weights around the gym. I guess that's because of thinking about weight training rather than S&C. It's, but you're saying it isn't. It's all about kind of complementing that. It's it's not around kind of weight training for weight's sake. It's it's thinking about using that to strengthen the body. Is that right? Yeah, I think weight training has always been linked with bodybuilding in that it puts on mass. Uh, but in theory, endurance athletes, it's all about, it's not about how much you can lift. It's how well you lift it and what that exercise is actually doing for your strength in your sport uh, your technique, your form, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it's, it's purely there to enhance. Um, I wouldn't get an endurance athlete to go in and you know deadlift 300 kilograms or 
bench 180 because what's a one rep of that going to do for them apart from injure them? Yeah. So it's all about conditioning the body, um, tissue tolerance. It's getting the athlete's body ready to do hundreds or if not thousands of repetitions of the same movement, which for run, triathlete, or triathlon and swim, etc., uh, it's, it's all about repeating a movement time and time again, safely and effectively. Cool. I know, because we had a bit of fun, didn't we? A couple of years ago, we um, took the UK Run Chat team, the EXO team, that we, <laughs> yeah, we had a bit of a session in the gym, didn't we, together with you. That was quite an interesting evening. You know what? It was probably yeah. one of the most fun sessions I've done in years. It was, if you don't want me saying, and any of the EXO group that were up there, it's a very diverse group. Um, and, and, and the focus of it was to try and get people to understand that one of the most underused and undertrained muscle groups on an athlete is the glutes. And we sat there, lied, poked, prodded. Uh, we made, if you don't want me saying it, complete asses of ourselves. And it was yeah. two hours of just constant giggle and everyone left. Glutes were fired. People understood why the glutes need to be trained as a an individual muscle group, but also as part of a chain of muscles, and how that can enhance performance, but also help minimise injury risk. Yeah, like I think my uh, lasting um, thought from that evening was was not only you starting off the evening with your uh, Texas cowhorn pose with your fingers oh, and asking everyone to kind of um, check fire at their partners firing glutes and uh, and uh, and hamstrings, yeah. uh, which was a good start to the evening. But also, uh, as you said, UK Run Chat Extra is a running club, for those who don't know, that's kind of linked to UK Run Chat, run by myself. And we have a real diverse team. And one of our athletes is blind. So I think the classic point was, it was his birthday, wasn't it? I think it was his birthday. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, there was a pile of chocolate in the middle of the room as like a as a like a birthday present kind of thing, and as he was moving around with resistance bands doing his uh his uh, what, what drill was he doing around yeah yeah and um yeah and he stood on all the chocolates he crushed all the Maltesers so I think that was quite funny but yeah it was a great night and I think for me it really made me realise that actually it isn't about weights it's more about body weight it can be more about holding position it is also it made me really realise, and it's something that I've always struggled with, is I don't use my I do underfire my glutes massively. Um, and it's kind of, there's times when I think about that and I try and refocus on it and think about some of the stuff you taught us. But it's, it's, um, so yeah, it's, which is, it's very simply trained, very easily trained. I, I was listening to a, a podcast over the weekend of a, a Canadian triathlon coach, and he'd interviewed Ryan Hall. Now, Ryan Hall is a multi-Olympian. Um, he's a sub 60 minutes half marathon and a sub 205 full marathon. So, just a little bit quicker than us, then? Um, <laughs> his, yeah, I've done a half in inside what he's done a marathon, but he looked a lot better than him. Yeah. But he, <laughs> yeah, probably. he's just retired now from competitive running. And he's mm -hmm. gone from a guy who was about 57, 58 kilograms at his racing weight. No, up to 81 kilograms. Now, that's let's do the maths on that. That's probably all but a 50% increase up around there. Hmm. And he said that the biggest discovery he made when he went into the gym and started lifting was how weak his glutes were. Now, we're talking about a guy here that was over a marathon. And if you take a simple 
example, if a runner, and I know it's going to be a longer stride than this, but if a runner takes one metre every step in a marathon, he's hitting 42,000 steps, 21 on each leg. Think of the impact that's going through that body. And the bulk of that is going to be going through the glutes. They absorb, yeah. they produce, and it's a it's a, a hinge point for the for the body and for when running. You know, when we did the this workshop with the, the Exeter group, there's an analogy, and Matt will know, and the, the coaches I work with will understand this. I'm a big one for analogies, and it it helps athletes understand the principle and the coaching points that you're trying to get across. And the analogy is, if you imagine that you're trying to drive from down here in Devon to Glasgow. And then you imagine that map that you're taking is the body. You're going from a toe up to the head. Now picture if there's a roadblock near Birmingham. Spaghetti Junction is a log jam. So traffic has got to be diverted around it. That's the same principle if an athlete's glutes are weak and don't have a particularly good response to what's being asked of it when exercised. So as opposed to traffic queuing up north and south of Spaghetti Junction, if an athlete's got poor glutes or weak glutes, their lower back and their hamstrings are going to have to do a lot more work. So by training the glutes and getting them stronger and firing more efficiently and effectively, it can reduce injuries but also help with power output so athletes can potentially run faster. Yeah, because you know, as you know well know, that I struggle with my lower back and I think that's all linked to the fact that I use um, I don't use my glutes. And it's, it's quite simple. Yeah. I don't use my glutes. Um, so, yeah. So, let's kind of think about that. So, how do, how do we know what to do? How often and how much? How, so, what do we know? How do we know what we need to train? And, yeah, and how frequently should we be doing it? Well, the nature of, the nature of, of training for endurance athletes uh, will be very much judged by if they are competitive or if they're recreational. Competitive will have a season, and that would need to be their SNC program would need to be periodized around that. So they're not lifting heavy weights in the lead up to a race. That would be more about getting them fired, shorter, sharper, quicker movements. Whereas your more recreational athlete can probably uh, be able to carry some form of resistance training throughout the year and just taper slightly before any park run on Saturday, you're not going to do a heavy weight session on a Friday night, or if you've got a half marathon coming up, you would look to drop off um, the loading week, 10 days beforehand. But the bulk of the training needs to be focused around what joints are put under stress, uh, what muscle groups are taking the biggest hit. So with running, for example, you're going to be looking at calves, quads, hamstrings, glutes, lower back. So it's about building tissue tolerance and muscular endurance into those areas. But it doesn't take a load of kit. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions we yeah. can see is that you've got to have a full gym. You can literally do a training session at home with uh, Dynabands or Therabands, uh, Swiss ball, some ankle bands, and some lightweights, even something as simple as a rucksack with a bag of potatoes on for back front squats etc so it's 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 very it's more flexible than people think it is yeah i was gonna say because i think obviously coming out of 
lockdown number two and kind of experiencing lockdown number one, uh, people have been training lots more at home. And I think getting used to training far more at home. Um, it was quite funny when you looked at the sales of sports equipment, including gym equipment, through lockdown one. I think it all got sold out pretty much straight away. Oh, um, absolutely mad. And I, yeah. I, I've got contacts within the, the industry with equipment, obviously through the job. And, you know, you buzz and say, any chance you've got any Dynabands? And he said, yeah, we've got some coming in next month. And I'm thinking, we need them now. Can't get them. Yeah. Can't get them. Everyone has, has gone out. I happened to buy a, a Watt bike over the summer. And I know, I was very coveting your Watt bike. But... Mate, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> but I sat there for week upon week thinking, do I invest? Do I invest? And the price of these bikes were going up beyond the and i was looking on ebay and they're going up beyond what they're costing brand new yeah, so yeah i think that's one thing lockdown has done is people are finding very creative ways of getting their fitness and getting their fix of exercise at home which hopefully i'm not wishing to take business away from uh, gyms etc but it could kickstart a, a stronger health regime should we say yeah, I, mean, I know we're going a bit off target, off um, kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I think the gyms seem to be quite niche, and I think people are looking at other ways of doing stuff now, aren't they? And I think you know, I've, I've, you know, you get people training in the in the park or yeah. with friends doing that kind of stuff, and having a PT in that environment rather than going to a gym and and doing the training in the gym it's quite interesting that it's all changed if you, 10 years ago people would just go to gyms and that would have been it yeah but, i think it's also, now i think there's also the uncertainty of you know how long is it going to be that we're in this next lockdown or tiered mm. system and when can we go out and when is going to life going to return to some form of normality but in the meantime um yeah train at home and get it done okay so um so general per- person who's a runner what do you reckon then what should we look in what should what kind of stuff would you suggest they might look at and i mean obviously there's loads of stuff on youtube and so that they could take for a bit of advice on how to complete the tasks but what kind of things do you think might be worthwhile looking at for running well with a bit of predominantly lower uh, body uh, exercise it's you've got to look at the simple fact that when an athlete runs and this is breaking it down into its crudest form. They spend 33% of their time on one left leg, 33% of the time on the right leg, and 33% of the time in the air. So yeah. training single leg, get in there. Single leg squats, and you can do them, if you're fortunate enough that you can do them to a decent depth so you get the firing patterns uh, effective, do so. But things like suspension training, so the big brand out there is TRX, uh, Use those. Use support. Use back of a chair. Use the worktop in the kitchen. Try and get some single leg work done. Into lunges, hops. Um, they they sound very basic, but I think a lot of coaches and PTs tend to go in. Right, I want to show this athlete. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to throw these real complex exercises at them. But if we can't get the basics right, mm. we're just trying to load up something which isn't capable of taking that sort of movement control or load so keep it simple squats lunges squat variations split squats all those sort of things are going to help you build um, a stronger base for when you're in contact with the ground and once that strength level gets to a certain point you 
you're then able to develop more power out of it. But obviously, with more power, you need then more control when you land. So it's a you're constantly playing catch up, but in a positive way. So you're getting stronger. You can then get more powerful. You can then get faster. But we also got to look at the core. You know, um, exercises like uh, front plank, go up in the press up position. Mm-hmm. Feet hip width behind you, hands under shoulders, and then slowly take your hand up. And I'm like, why am I doing? I'm doing the exercise now, as I say. Take your hand up, shoulder, control it down, keep the body straight. Great for developing core strength through the glutes, the hamstrings, the stomach, the lower back, shoulder stability as well. So any triathletes that are listening now, obviously the shoulder takes a, a real beating with with swimming with that repetitive movement. So we need to develop tissue tolerance into there as well but there's there's encyclopedias out there that give breakdown on exercises and i'm quite happy to put a list together for you guys to have in the show notes but it's all about keeping it varied uh keeping it interesting and keeping some form of challenge in there Uh, it's very easy for a coach to sit down and say right there's eight weeks of that program i guarantee after two weeks they're going to be bored so yeah and i know our friend andy who we're probably is going to do a podcast with at some point will probably have something to say about that as well because obviously it's got to be dynamic in 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 reactive to people's lifestyle and and how their week's been and you know yeah it's difficult um i'm not a great believer in picking up a a, you can get obviously training programs off off the offline or um from magazines and so on they are very generic and it doesn't always fit does it they'll serve a purpose but uh, the, what we try and do with with our world as an SNC coach is look at athletes as individuals, not as a team or a squad, because everyone's going to have their restrictions in their range of movement, how well they can squat. Um, if an athlete can't get a good range of movement, we need to look at it and say, right, what's the determining factor? Is it hip? Is it ankle? And try and make adjustments to that and develop them so that they can get an optimum range of movement. But Online, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. Pictures on a on a web page don't really tell you much in the way of technique. It'll be a there'll be some text with it, but it doesn't give you any real cues for you to think about whether it's um, an internal or an external cue. You know, drop the hip down, keep the knees in line with the toes, head up, shoulder back. With with coaching, we're able to talk an athlete through correct as we go without giving them too much information and get them to focus on little points yeah it's all about functional movement isn't it i mean as a p teacher i'm quite keen on my physical literacy and functional movement it is it's just continuing on that skill isn't it of making sure yeah you're doing the movement correctly but also you're doing it to be effective it, it's very easy for to go out there and do three sets of 10 on an exercise but if only three of those 10 are good quality you might as well drop the rest mm. So yeah. it, it's always quality over quantity. If you do if you do an exercise well, you can progress. So yeah. So if you were so with your say you had a running athlete yep. um, who was kind of just a average runner, go out, they do their part runs, they do their their training towards a half marathon or a marathon, and so on. How often do you reckon they should be putting some kind of S and C into their uh, their program? 
What do you reckon they, you know, as a rough guesstimate? Should we be doing this like every other day? Should it be once a week? What are you thinking? To be fair, spread it out of the week. There are many exercises that we get athletes to do before they do their sport. So an exercise such as crab walk or a banded mm-hmm. monster walk is designed to get the glutes firing. Now, that being done before they go off to do a pitch session or a skill session on a hockey pitch is great because the muscles are ready to go and they're fully expecting the load and the challenge is going to be put through them. So mm-hmm. by doing exercises like your monster walks, your hamstring swings, um, even some pogoing, so some double-footed jumps, just get the muscles used to what you're going to ask of them when you go out for a run. So it can be done as part of that training session or going back to exercises like uh, single leg balance, single leg squats, do them while you're doing your teeth. Mm. You know, for most people, that's two or three minutes of a day taken up when they're doing something which is quite boring. So put something in there to fill that time gap. And that can be done with other things. You know, if, you, if you're office bound, uh, one yeah. hour, get up, do a set of five squats. If no one's looking, pop down, do some press-ups. Try and fill that time. Well, we're, we're, a lot of people are now working from home anyway, aren't they? And actually that would be a good thing to do because obviously we are sedentary quite a lot. I think people sit for a lot much longer at home than they do when they're actually in the office because you kind of just feel you want to get on and get the day done. I notice it myself and to kind of get into a regime of thinking, well, every half an hour I'm going to get up and do something might be a good way of doing it. And I think you'll end up picking it up without even realising you're doing it. I mean, single leg squats, I, I still struggle. I still struggle to do it properly. And I think that's just why I hear your voice in the back of my head nagging me to make sure I'm doing it correctly rather than just kind of banging them out so I can say I've done my 10 or whatever. I think you're quite right with, with us sitting down so much and working from home now. I got up the other night and Charlotte, my other half, we said we'll do some online yoga. So YouTube came up, sat down, cross-legged. Five minutes, my hip flexors started cramping. And it's yeah. because they're not being used as I would with my normal role. Where I'm up, moving around, sat down a lot more. But it's, it's a habit that's very easy to get into and very yeah. difficult to get out of. I can't believe how many little steps I'm doing at the moment. Apart from if I go out for a run, right. I, you know, an, an average day for me is normally 12,500. And I'm lucky to get anywhere near 10 on a day if I don't do any running. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, I struggle to get seven some. It, it, it's tough. These are, it's, it's been used so many times, unprecedented times now. Uh, hmm. We don't know how it's going to last, but we've got to start forming better habits to make sure that we are staying physically healthy. And the knock-on effect of that is mental health stays uh, stays strong. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's yeah, it's just strange. So, what can we do at home then? So, I mean, you've kind of alluded to some some bits. Um, you know, we're at home. We've got no uh, kit. As kind of, you might be really lucky and have lots of kit at home. But have you got any ideas of what kind of things we could be doing at home and what kit we could use? We might find around the house or I think one, of the, hand. one of the most positive things come out of uh, the first lockdown, and uh, just to throw one name there was what you know the likes of Joe Wicks was doing, home body circuits. It's, hmm. it's so simple, but the, the the toughest bit is actually getting the discipline to do it regularly, and what to do. Now this is where. Because the technical side of most 
home training doesn't involve a load, i.e. you haven't got a bar on your back, you haven't got a, a, a deadlift to do or something like that, um, they're relatively simple. So press-ups, sit-ups, squats, some form of jump, a brace somewhere, an exercise that will, you've got to fight ro uh, rotation and anti-rotation, try and control. So there are resources out there online which are relatively safe. Um, but there's also a lot of coaches in, in the field now that have moved to online and they will be able to put together a safe and effective program for a relatively small uh, cost um, and yeah. would see you through for weeks, if not months. Okay. So um, that you, you say that the stuff online is quite good, it's worth following. Yeah. I guess it comes down to how many reviews they've got and, and looking and just being a bit mindful. Yeah, a lot of it is looking, what you're looking, at. looking at what qualifications they've got. The, within the UK, our governing body is UKSCA. They oversee it, strength and conditioning, and there's a very stringent uh, process to get through for that. Uh, America's got the, um, they've got their, their version, uh, ASCA, I think it is. PTs, personal trainers over here, um, they have to go through an organization called Reps. So as soon as they get up to certain levels, they have quite, once again, quite stringent uh, qualifications they have to have to be able to market themselves as level three, level four, etc., etc. A lot of it as well is reputation. Um, word of mouth is probably the best advertising you'll get. Um, and trust people who your friends trust. Yeah, word of mouth is always good, isn't it? Yeah. I think you know, it's easier to go with someone that you know is, that someone else has said is really good. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's probably why I think gyms are going the way they are as well. I think people are kind of finding someone that seems to work well with them or work well with their lifestyle and they're picking up on that because if they can see the results better than they can sign up for a gym membership when they know full well that when they've had a rough day at work they're not going to go to the gym because they know it's busy and all those kind of issues. Yeah, I think as well, if, if anyone does have a, a injury of any sort and they're seeing a physio, speak to them because most uh, physio practices will have contacts with PTs or strength and conditioning coaches. So they'll be in the right direction. Okay, cool. Um, so you talked about legs. You talked about kind of doing single leg squats and uh, double leg squats and a few other bits and pieces. Um, how should we set that up then? So if we, you said about doing them individually within the day, so you could uh, spread them out as the day goes on. Um, if we're going to do, if we want to kind of say, right, today I'm going to do some SNC, I'm going to do this as part of my session. Um, would you would you kind of set up a system? Would you put a routine together? Uh, routines are wrong. It sounds like a dance show. I mean, if they if anyone saw us to, us do dancing, they'd realise it's definitely not a dance show. But um, how how would you do it? I think the easiest way for someone to do it at home to keep it interesting is to set up some form of circuit. Yeah. So look at you know put together six eight exercises, put them in an order so that one exercise doesn't affect the neck so in theory you're having a, a almost an active recovery uh, period in between the two mm -hmm. but yeah it's a case of mixing up and keeping it interesting with the nature of endurance sport being repetitive 
don't think you go in and just do a set of five exercises. You need to start looking at, and I know I've used the phrase before, but tissue tolerance. You've got to get muscles, joints, and movements used to doing the same movement over and over again. It's, how can I describe it? We've also got to look at, if you're on a bike, if you're running, you're swimming, you automatically think it's just a straight line activity. But in every swim stroke, pedal stroke, run stride, we're being challenged three-dimensionally. So we need to make sure that any of the home training you are doing or training at the gym, you need to challenge three-dimensionally. So whether that's through a lunge with a rotating a dumbbell across in front of you or a ball or a small child if you've got one. Um, I'll probably get social services onto me now. As I say, don't go and find a small child to use as your S and T coach. Make sure it's yeah, only use a, a disclaimer from UK Run Chat. Only use a small child if you have one in your house, and please do not drop them on their head. Um. <laughs> but yeah, keep it varied. It's yeah. put the music on, close the curtains, because nothing worse than, than circuit training in your your mankini. Yeah. But yeah, keep, I don't know. With, with the view from your window, I think I see the windows open, but yeah. Keep it varied. Um, there are millions and millions of exercises to choose from and as long as you structure them in such a way that there is no conflict from one exercise to another you're competent in doing the exercises um, and you perform them safely it's endless absolutely endless mm -hmm. cool so then let's move on to talking about injury prevention because so that's the kind of main area i've used snc before through your guidance is to kind of help me kind of recover from injuries or kind of issues mainly around my glutes and my lower back as it always is yeah um so how can that help with injury how can it help with injury prevention this is a phrase i've used so many times not just tonight but in in general uh, work the tissue tolerance is a key thing if we can build endurance into for a swimmer, for example, the shoulder joint. Um, that's going to help prevent injuries. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, I had a swimmer a couple of years ago. Strong lad, was a, a, a butterfly swimmer. Came in and he said, shoulders are killing. A lot of pain. So went back, looked at his program and I said, nothing's really changed. I don't know what's caused the problem. What's changed in your training? And his response was, well, nothing stayed the same. Apart from we brought in paddles. Now, uh, the addition of hand paddles into a swimmer's training program and someone who's not used them before, but the volume stays the same, he was in pieces. And it was mm. simple as the forces going through that joint were multiplied. I, I can't put a figure on it, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't three, four, five times the forces. And he just wasn't able to cope with it. So it's, it's about developing strength and muscular endurance in those specific areas so that they can take what you ask or what you're throwing at them with regards to run, swim, bike volume. Um, it's, it's a tough one, but the first sign of a niggle, it's a case of saying, is this, is it pain which is, acute i.e there's a particular spot in which case it would tend to push you more towards you've done a bit of damage in there or is it pain which is actually 
I've got full movement. I can do everything on it. It's just a new exercise I've done or it's something that's made that joint challenged. So mm. I'm very fortunate that throughout my time at, at uh, my, my current job at the university, we've worked with a, the same team of physios um, and they are incredible. They're all they were air or edge towards um, sports backgrounds and their main motivation is to get athletes back training. So the time spent with them has just allowed us to develop a much better understanding of what the athlete's training or their sport is doing to certain areas of the body. And when that injury is uh, fully diagnosed, they'll come back and say, this is day one from diagnosis and um, this is where we want to see them back training this is the route we want to take them so without them i i, I can do 50 percent of my job they're very fortunate to work with them and you'll find a lot of uh, support staffs and, and we're looking at nutrition um with time management sports psychologists they're so fixed on getting athletes back in the competition it's very similar to S and C. It's it's a passion. We don't do it for the money. Yeah. Um, you know, I, with my sporting background, all I want to do is stay involved with sport, and I've been very fortunate with it. But uh, yeah, injuries are a pain in the ass. I've just come back from eight months out with a, a niggling Achilles, so it doesn't help. I've got twenty five kilograms going through it every stride, and some. Yeah, hence the kind of niggle at three k today. Yeah. Um, yeah. oh, that was hammies it's because uh, yeah. okay. I'm hoping to get Andy from Ocean Physio um, on in a couple of weeks maybe and have a chat about sports injuries I think it's quite quite a key topic at the moment with everyone doing extra running because they couldn't go to the gym or um, do anything else I mean the amount of people who started running or yeah. are doing too much running Hence why I was injured start of the first lockdown. Well, we've been um, trying to keep our athletes. We've got 350 plus on the programme and we're trying to keep them as strong and as fit as possible remotely because our facility is closed. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of Zoom uh, correspondence with them. Uh, yeah. A lot of uh, fitness challenges because that helps massively with keeping everyone motivated. And they can do it, you know, from the comfort of their own home. They can do it mobile. Uh, mm. One coming up now, starting on ooh, the 7th, the 12 days of Christmas. So they've got a, most of my athletes now will have a 1K through to 12K, 12 different runs between the 7th and the 24th. And the focus for them with that one is consistency. So those distances at the same speed. Um, and just looking at this 80-20 principle of a lot of base work and off the base work, you can then build up. Uh, in okay, so let me, let, me get, let me get this clear in my head. This is 12 days of Christmas. I might have a go at this. Um, obviously, I'm doing run-up to Christmas at the moment as well, but you, I might you know, combine this. So the whole idea is on one day, you'll do 1K, and then you might do do 12K another day. Yeah. So you build up your distances. You do You do one of each distance. But the the aim is to try and do each one at the same interval K rep. So if I did my one K at five and a half minute K, yep. then when I do my ten K, 
it should be the equivalent of five and a half minutes at 10 times. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. That's quite a good idea. And I, think, I guess that's consistency as well, isn't it? It's looking at that. Um, we're all really bad at it. And it's something that I want to talk to Andy, not Andy from Ocean, but uh, Andy from Exercise Science, is around um, heart rate training and, and looking at consistency of training. Because I'm the worst one for it. I'll go out and, and get really upset. I've not done a, a decent run. But then I'll forget the fact that I've had a long day or I've not eaten properly or I'm not feeling 100%. And there's all those kind of aspects to it as well, isn't there? But that's and consistency. You know, we're, we're not professional athletes. We don't get paid to do this. So yeah. I don't know of many amateur athletes whose average week is perfect with regards to training, recovery, nutrition, sleep. That fitted into family life, work commitments. So we want to make the best. If I think if, if your average athlete can go out there and hit 75% of their targets for the week, they've done well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting challenge. We had a lot over the first lockdown. Um, and that was based around, you know, fastest 5K that you can do. Then we had a team event where they had to run as far as they could in 30 minutes each. And it was how which team could complete the marathon distance the quickest. And I think at one point we had a Google's Doc set up with 125 athletes all competing on the same day, split from different sports into new teams. Um, it was it was probably one of the hardest days work I did. Sat there monitoring <laughs> these Strava times coming in. Strava must have worried, wondered what the hell had gone on because I've gone from following eight or nine people up to 120, 130 of them. So, <laughs> but you know things like you know this summer I've got into Zwift, and you're talking about heart rate training there. I haven't got one on my bike, but now that I've got power uh, measurements coming off the Watt bike, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, it's a bit like a computer game, isn't it? FTP is three of the most dangerous letters out there. Yeah. For those runners who don't know what that is, it's um, it's a test on your power. It's a functional test. What does it stand for? It's functional threshold press. Yeah, yeah. power that you can sustain for one hour. Yeah, yeah. That's a lie. Um, it's a lie. And as a cyclist, FTP is kind of quite a big measure for uh, how well you can perform. Um, it's quite interesting. I, I find Swift a little bit strange in the fact that, obviously, I know Swift are doing something about it now, aren't they? But there's lots of people in there that play the game and Cheat. put their, um, their, yeah, they put their weights and measures in differently to allow them to have a better power output. And I did read somewhere now that they get like an exclamation mark above their head if they're riding because it's a because they've been recognised as being a possible. Yeah. cheat yeah. that it's been looked into somewhere over in california i think there's a a little office where people are going through checking everyone's stats and uh and whatever but you know if you're going out to enjoy it and it's a bit of fun why do you need to cheat it's yeah, it's it's like these guys who, who you know you hear these marathon runners who don't actually run the marathon and get taxis or yeah. who have a twin you know and there's that guy and there's a guy in America that goes through um, the Excel spreadsheet stats of breakdown of, of of the kind of different points of the race yeah and he can pick up people he reckons that are not not running or they're not doing it they're not being fair in the way they're doing it yeah it's quite you know as a wannabe runner. I get out there to enjoy it for fitness. Um, and obviously with events like park run and all that sort of stuff. Now it's got a real community spirit about it. You know, I 
lived down in Timoth, um, get down to the seafront, and you're talking everything from five year olds to eight year olds run along the seafront there. It's uh, it's it's well, all you know, sports, which is free. So you you know I feel about part run being a being a junior part run lead, and I know you were kind of involved in Killington, weren't you, in the early days of when it started? Yeah, I was really um, fortunate that I got a, a, a mention from um, a couple of friends I'd run with in the past, and they said, oh, this is Park Run's looking to start up. And Paul St. and Hewitt came up to university and did a presentation uh, for us, and that was kind of the where the, the Killington one started, because they, they found a location. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what an event. It's phenomenal, the development of it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, off the, off the back of there, I think other bodies will or may well try and get involved in a support structure into Park Run. And I think SNC and fitness um, mm. should fill one of those little niches. But if you're out there, Paul, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Because um, Killington was the first uh, National Trust property, wasn't it? it was. To have a Park Run. It was it kind of set the um, it set the tone. Yeah. Quite cool. And obviously, Exeter. We for for those who don't realise, uh, Beef and I both live in and around Exeter. You know, we have got so many park runs now, and there's rumours of more kind of um, stepping up. But you can literally before COVID on a Saturday morning, you can get in your car and you could drive what twenty miles at the most, and you and you've probably got eight or nine different park runs you could choose from. Yeah, yeah, and I know there's a there's a group that call themselves a park run tourist and they're trying to get around all of the yeah. country and it's just, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So if you want a quick time, Exmouth's meant to be the one, isn't it? Exmouth's got the quickest route, they reckon, in, yeah, the in thing, England. Exmouth's lovely, but the only thing is, if the wind tends to go in one direction. So if you're going out into yeah. the headwind, you're going to fly back. But if you're going out with a tailwind, you're going to struggle getting back. So I just run behind you and then I've got a bit of a wind block, so it's fine. Yeah, but mate, I... I'm running a lot slower than you, so you just be constantly bumping in. So, that's <laughs> yeah, it. Maybe. Matt, have you done a marathon yet? I have. I did one. I've done Brighton. Um, what time? Not Brighton. Sorry, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I did Bournemouth. What time? Um, uh, four hours and nineteen. Oh. I was ra- I I was rather ill at the end. Wow. Um, I got it. I got it completely wrong. I'm. Um, that's why. Remember, I wrote my blog about about hypertremius. Which is a an issue with suffering with lack of salts. Um, it was a lovely hot summer's day, and uh, well, not summer. It was early. It was late spring. But um, I was very adamant I was not going to take the the gels or the um, supplements they were having on site because I knew it might play havoc with my stomach. So I was going to keep to what I was carrying. Ended up over hydrating and not taking off n- enough salts. So I felt really ill at the end. I literally collapsed at the finish line and said to the baggage handler. I need first aid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll... I did London in four twenty one, and that. Uh, Ooh. Well, I think that, that definitely makes that makes you faster than me. I think because London's such a busy course, you you can't run fast, can you? Oh, so... It's amazing. I did it with a, a colleague at, at the university at the time, John Jakeman, and everyone had turned around and said, "Yeah, London's okay for the atmosphere, but when you get into the Docklands, it's it's dead." Seriously, you could not hear yourself think in the Docklands. I think everyone had come out and thought, right, we're gonna. It's got its reputation. We're just gonna build it up. But incredible event, absolutely amazing. No, yeah, I, it, it was. It was the same at the uh, at Bournemouth in the fact that you end up out in the industrial state, and it was like soulless. And I kind of lost it. I completely lost the will to live by that point. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it, you know, I put in. For, I put in for the London Marathon ballot again this year. Um, 
I, I to be honest, I probably would be. I'm not disappointed if I don't get in, but um, it's one of those things I still want to probably tick off. Do you find it, I think more, it's habit now that you, you apply and you're not disappointed? Yeah, yeah, nine nine times now. Nine times. Wow. Yeah. So anyone in London Marathon wants to give me a spot, feeling like kind of feeling um, disappointed that I've not got in nine times, um, it'd be great. But obviously we've talked about doing other stuff. We were going to, meant to, we were meant to be doing a half Ironman, in, but then um, lockdown kicked in and, you know... I think we, for me, I think marathon training, I just find it really, I mean, there's other people who absolutely love running for a long, long time and kind of going out and doing those kind of long miles. I just find I don't have the time to do it or also the mental capacity to do it, he says, but then think about doing an Ironman, half Ironman. Um, it's nice to have yeah, to train for. That's, that's, I think, the one thing. Yeah. Since I retired from uh, rugby and, and volleyball, what have you, there's that incentive now and i think if someone turned around and said you know we did blenheim um two years ago or last year um last year wasn't it sure, was it? Uh, it was, no no because last year's got um last year's no this year's got um has been and they got moved set they got moved september didn't they and then so it wasn't this year we didn't know that, yeah. i don't think either of us were particularly well prepared for it no not um, at all and I went out and did it and i thought yeah, I love that. I want to have a structured program and do another one. But then yeah. lockdown kind of came out and it was kind of like, mm. and then fitting it in around family life because I've, as you know, I've got Clemmy now who's just turned two and she's probably kept me fitter than any sport in the past. So it's, uh, it's yeah. trying to juggle all those things and, you know, trying to fit S and C into a weekly timetable where you've got work, family, DIY to get done at home, the in-laws call, mm. causing on, carnage or whatever it's it, it is difficult but you you'll you'll feel the benefits of it it'll be probably a little bit uncomfortable you'll have a little bit of soreness for the first couple of weeks but then it becomes habit and those benefits will show in your performances um i just realized i've, I've almost just put a roadblock in the way of that conversation then sorry man that's all right. It's fine. Not at all. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about kind of it's Christmas, isn't it? Christmas coming up soon, yeah, yeah. and we've talked about lack of kit and stuff. But so if if someone was looking to put on their Father Christmas list or put on a kind of list of things they might want to use at home to save on those gym memberships, yeah. what kind of things do you think uh, runners should be really thinking about having as just a go-to kit for home? Okay, um, ankle bands. They are probably cost you two, three pounds each for different strengths, different resistances. Uh, yeah. You get some longer bands that you can use for um, upper body work. Um, so, so let me just say, so, so for those who might not know what that means, an ankle band looks a bit like a, a children's inner tube tie, doesn't it? It's like yeah. a small circular rubber. So we got athletes to, for the, the training their glutes, to put them around their ankles or their knees. You go into... A, kind of quarter squat position and it's either lateral or diagonal steps uh, maintaining tension on the band and that just keeps the glutes fired mm. um, it sounds simple but after you've done a couple of sets for the first time um, you'll be walking a little bit funny and you'll know that your glutes have been given a little bit of a, a workout Oh, it killed me because we ran we ran home as well from the SSC <laughs> session I remember and I really struggled um, yeah, it was it was tough. It really was tough. Like a magic, the, leaving from the sports park down that 
you're talking best part of a kilometre downhill, so you must have been on fire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. running down is far nicer than going up it, I'd say. Uh, mate, yeah. I've travelled up that hill for 30 years and it's, it's not getting any flatter, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, get into that. I, I reckon for probably around 60 quid, you can get suspension training straps or TOX or whatever brand you want. They will give you hundreds of variations of exercises. The, yeah. um, the resistance bands for your ankles. You can get bands as well that have handles on the end. So it's a, a straight band with a handle on either end. Use that for your upper body work. Uh, yeah. Something like a, a Swiss ball will help with some of your squat work, uh, some uh, quite a bit of your core training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know whether you guys have promoted foam rollers in the past. It's a little bit, do they work? Don't they work? Similar to ice baths. It's, if they work for you, Fantastic, use them. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. I know you've been and bought one of these muscle guns. Yeah. Um, I, I've not seen them, not seen much research on them, but it's, it's one of. No, I, if they work, I'm going to ask Andy about that. Yeah, if they work for you, fantastic. Um, whatever makes training, recovery, and that your sporting lifestyle better, or for it. Hmm. Cool. I mean, so you can get most of those anywhere, can't you? And I, I know you kind of, there's a company that you kind of get stuff from. We've and they've given you a, dis- yeah, give you a discount. A, a company called Absolute Performance. They've been been around for, for years now. Um, so most of our sundry kit, i.e. not the big uh, kind of squat racks and that sort of stuff, although they do do them, we buy a lot of our peripheral equipment from them. Um, and I mentioned to... Can I just say as well, I have no financial affiliation with these guys. I've just worked them for a long time. They supply great kit, good prices, and they've actually thrown for the running for this group and the podcast a 25% discount code up there, which I'm not going to tell you what it is now, but Matt can put that in the uh, the show notes if he wants. Well, no, it's just easier. So it's absolute performance, and if you want it, it's Beef 25, isn't it? It's just easy. Yeah. So Beef 25. But uh, yeah, yeah you're, you're not... You're not on commission, are you? I get nothing for him. Simon Britton, he might buy me a, a coffee at the uh, annual conference we go to, but that's about it. Okay. Uh, well, I want a coffee as well then. <laughs> in the post, mate. Yeah, in the post. <laughs> but no, so, and also you can get this kind of stuff. I mean, I was in, um, I can't remember if it was Little or Oldie the other week, and they were, they, you know, they have their fitness weeks, don't they? And they yep. have some of this stuff in there. So you can always pick it up. They had their own TRX kind of oh. suspension straps. And yeah, you can get it from anywhere, can't you? It's just about kind of just if you see it, picking it up when you when you see it, isn't it? Really? The market is, is swamped with it. There's so much choice out there. Um, brands tend to be uh, better quality, but it, that yeah. all depends as well on whether you're going to use them on a daily basis, uh, once a week, or you know, this time of year, people ask for exercise equipment, bikes, cross trainers and they end up being clothes areas for the next three years in the bedroom so yeah and i think that's you know i was i was saying at the end of the first lockdown saying i'm going to hold off to get a new turbo trainer yep. because i thought you know at that point i was going to say all these people have bought them um and they're suddenly going to be selling them really cheap <laughs> but obviously it's going on a bit too long so i don't think uh, that's going to happen for a while yeah um, I hopefully i've, I've found out with, with the job over these years is that if you invest well once you don't need to replace it for a long long time yeah. With kit. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. 
So what's on? So what's on the horizon for you? Um. Oh, blimey. Good question. Well, I've got this challenge to do with the with the athletes. Yeah. Um. Obviously, with our students not having had a full first term of training this year at uni. Uh, we're hoping to get them back in in January and some form some sort of some sort of preseason again, mm-hmm. then get some competition in with them. Um, that's January for us. January, February, March is normally the end of the league competition, moving into knockouts, etc., which is an exciting part of the year. So this year is going to be slightly different because it's all being uh, foreshortened. Personally, yeah. just want to get that eternal challenge of staying fit dropping some weight um yeah that we've had that half iron man and iron man thing keeps dangling out in front of me and uh we've talked about it we've talked about doing it in different formats and doing different ways of winning it's something i still want to visit i think um yeah definitely i don't feel i'm in the right place at the moment and i think i need to get myself my head back in the right space as well as my fitness yeah. but you know i enjoyed some we had some lovely runs between the two lockdowns, yeah. along the seafront together, that was really nice. Get back into that. Yeah, get glad, to get back well. park, glad to get back on park run and get the um, to get the bike out and do some more bike ride. Light, ride. Well, on the swim, um, well, mate. We've had some uh, down at. We've got a, a beach close to where I'm living now, and Matt's been over a few times, and we get down there and get the old uh, wetsuits out, and it's uh, oh, it's stunning. Yeah. The scenery is just. It's beautiful. Yeah, we're very lucky for open water swimming. But, oh, I say we're lucky, but I think. Um, I, I really want a lake as well. I think sea, sea swimming is great and I love it and I do lots of it. But it'd be yeah, nice to have a lake near. You're lucky. You can get up to um, Froome and get to the Vobster and it's just a bit too far for me. Yeah, yeah. I, it's but, crazy. We've got a lot of lakes and reservoirs up on Dartmoor and that, but you just can't get access to them. No, because, yeah, reservoirs, you're not allowed to swim in, are you? Well, not so lake, no, but it's really tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a weird year, isn't it? It's been a really weird year for all that. I mean, I don't know. I think I had four, five races cancelled or postponed, uh, and I couldn't then do the postponement dates. And I think it's. I can see trail races starting up again now because obviously that's a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think because they can send them off in waves and they're smaller numbers. And I've seen that triathlons are now putting in waves and triathlons started again before the second lockdown. Yeah, I think it's year, well next year anyway. I think it's potentially going to be more duathlons taking place because of the restrictions on pools and. And what, yeah, which yeah, it seems strange. You can go into a pub and get pissed, but you can't. Sorry, drunk, uh, but you can't mm-hmm. pull for a swim. Just yeah. Well, we could spend all night talking about COVID and kind of the knock-on effects it's had and how unjust bits are. But let's not start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's nearly an hour we've been chatting away, and I need to go and cook tea, and uh, I'm sure you need to go and go and do bath time or something like that. Well, no, so, she went down. To- Six o'clock, so she'll be waking up at five o'clock in the morning. So, oh, I don't miss those days at all. I'm a morning person, so it's it's okay. Yeah, I don't miss those days at all. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try and get out. I've that's that's second, second of December today, and I've done two runs. So, I've done a run on the first and one on the second. I think I'm not gonna run tomorrow. I'm gonna run on, I might, um, yeah, I'll run on the Friday, so on the third, on the fourth. I'm gonna try and. Well, I might end up running tomorrow. It depends on the weather. If it's nice weather, I get tempted. Because I'm not doing very much work at the moment. So it's quite... I get tempted to get in, instead of sitting in front of the laptop or doing emails or whatever, I tend to try and get out and run. I'll send you I'll send you a daily challenge through, mate. Okay. 
I might join the Daily Times. That'd be good fun. It's either I've got to do, it's either I've got to do my tax report return. So I'd rather do that rather than a tax report return. So definitely. Well, thanks for joining me tonight. It's been fantastic to chat to you. And um, I, I will meet you for coffee when we're allowed to properly. Absolutely. We're saying that X Coffee is back open now, isn't it? So we should meet for coffee. Um, socially distant, of course. Socially distant, of course. Of course, always. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I, you know, I'm hoping that people have taken on some of these bits. Um, if you had any kind of last minute kind of what any kind of summation you want to say about kind of S and C, is there anything you'd like to finish off on? Give it a go. Give it a go. You, you're going to be. It, it'll be. It'll be a challenge. And if you stick with it for a period of time, you will feel a difference. Um, and if that difference is mentally you're feeling fitter and stronger or your times over 5k 10k half full marathon are faster i'm not saying it's going to be the determining factor but it can play a really positive part in improving performance so um matt and i can discuss this afterwards but i'm i'm quite happy to um throw some ideas out with regards to some training programs home programs so i can put that together for and then if Matt, if you want to make them available, you're more than welcome. Yeah, well, it might be something we look at doing and put it on the website, actually, because we could put that on the UK Run Chat website quite easily. Um, that might be something really good. Um, yeah, well, thank you for that. And also thank you for your time tonight. It's been really interesting. Um, it's a similar kind of conversation we have on a regular basis, but it's something that I felt would be worthwhile sharing. So I hope people have found this interesting. Cool. And thank you for, for joining in. No and I will see you very soon. And uh, I hope everyone's well and carry on running and staying safe. And we will speak to you again on the next podcast. Merry Christmas.